Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome into a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Happy to be with you. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue, uh, Penn State, picked up commitment number eight of the 2021 recruiting cycle last Friday. We covered that at length in our most recent episode. If you missed it, go check that out. Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst from 24-7 Sports, joined the show, talked about this new edition, what it means for the class Uh, Spent a lot of time on recruiting. We're going to get to recruiting as well a little bit later here in the show. Uh, Some some five-star update. Uh, We have some defensive end updates, which is an interesting position for this 2021 class. And you'll also hear from a 2020 signee. Uh, You'll get to hear from Kevon Lee down in Florida. Caught up with him for a solid 15 minutes or so. Looking ahead to his career at running back with the Penn State Nittany Lions. What he sees from a very talented room. And what he's expecting from himself once he gets the green light to get to campus with his freshman class. But we're going to start today's show, Sean, with a look at the depth chart. Because while Saturday did not provide us any fresh football perspective on the field like we had hoped for a long time with the blue-white game, canceled, of course. And I know many of our listeners were involved with the virtual tailgates. Looked like a lot of fun. Players, coaches popping into those conversations all over the country, all over the world, really. But we did get a little insight, a sneak peek, I guess, at this 2020 team, uh, if folks have been following our VIP coverage and saw your depth chart projections, not a lot, not much of this was a surprise. But uh, I will say we got two depth chart <laughs> updates, John, and the first one caused a bit of a stir. Within I think four hours, there was another depth chart uh, released on Saturday, and, and things simmered down a little bit. But we're going to get to a lot of that right now. Penn State saw the wave of Micah Parsons as your kickoff returner story go out. And luckily, we, we had enough time to publish one of our own. So I uh, got that going. That seems to be an interesting topic for everyone. But uh, yeah, it was, it was funny because that, that came out, of course, uh, Saturday morning day, the blue-white game. So not a complete surprise there. That's what they usually do. But uh, didn't really know this one was coming. So it kind of hit us, uh, it blindsided us. Uh, got that taken care of. And a couple hours later, Micah Parsons at all is all of a sudden your off returner with Journey Brown and, and Devin Ford at the other spot. So just some fun stuff. Uh, you know, it's nice to have, I, I guess we'll call it a little bit of drama on blue white Saturday. We didn't get a game, but we got, uh, we got a depth chart. So beggars can't be choosers at this point. We are clearly beggars at this, uh, at this juncture and, and we'll take anything we can get. Yeah, and, and man, I know Micah was disappointed with, with the second depth chart and not being the guy on top there, but I was disappointed that we didn't see Stouts maintaining his role as the first-team kicker and first-team holder. That was the most impressive feat that I saw on the initial depth chart release. Of course, now Jake Pinniger listed ahead of him uh, as of, as the kicker. And that's going to be a shame because the backup holder was uh, Joe Calcagno, the uh, 260-pound long snapper, so that would have been, you know, that would have been equally as entertaining so uh, a lot of a lot of special teams fun in that one um you know this not much different than what we expected from from our depth chart I think uh, our depth chart was a little different in that we would have taken into account some of the injuries that Penn State would have been dealing with in the spring um, but for the most part uh, other than a couple of shifts on the offensive line it, it, it looked pretty much pretty much what we expected nothing nothing jumping out at me of course, you see uh, a couple things up front. Uh, Juice Scruggs was there, which is first off the, the the best thing that you could see for for a kid like Juice to, after what he's been through with the car accident and the back injury and everything. Uh, Caden Wallace still at tackle, which is something that we've kind of stressed over the spring. They want to get him some reps there to build some um, depth at tackle. Des Holmes is back at tackle on this depth chart. Would have been playing guard in the spring uh, because of some injuries up front. So. Uh, not, not, a, not a crazy amount. TJ Jones really jumped out at you as the first wide receiver. He was on our uh, updated depth chart uh, at that spot. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's pretty well par for the course, but uh, just crumbs, man. We, we love crumbs here and we'll take anything we can get. 
Yeah, so you're not going to see injuries reflected here. There are guys that we're aware of. There are guys we are not aware of who are recovering from offseason procedures uh, who would not have been available this spring, likely would not have played Saturday, and may have you know some concerns heading into the summer. We're not fully aware of all those. And additionally, we don't have any of the, something that we love to see and, and that we always see on the step chart, the big old bold or. And we don't see any of those on this step chart. I guarantee you these these uh, jobs are not secure, whether it's first team, second team, third team. Long way to go. They didn't get their 15 practice sessions. Guys are scattered across the country. Some guys are outside of the country. So uh, we'll see who's accountable during the span when, we re, when this team reassembles back on campus. The coaches get a better look at them and, of course, ultimately, we see some pads on these guys then I think you'll see some significant changes here but this reflects the the offseason work uh the mindset of the coaching staff coming out of the 2019 season and let's jump right into it Sean as we said the, I think the lack of oars is is pretty notable uh but you know at least it gives us a bit of a pecking order on, on how things stand at some of these positions where we do view uh you know ongoing battles and at quarterback we've talked about it Sean Clifford the unquestioned starter Will Levis is your backup and that number three spot um, to Quan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr., carrying over their competition from when they enrolled back in January 2019. Right now, Roberson getting that edge, not surprising to see. Um, we, we saw him really come on more as the guy who was traveling with the team last year. He was the next guy in after Will Levis against Rutgers, got a little bit of action in, in the regular season finale, and he's at the number three job. And, and as we've referenced before with Kirk Shiraka, speaking with him a few weeks ago, he really views this room outside of Sean Clifford as a major mystery box in terms of what these guys are capable of doing as passers. He really respects the athleticism among the group, really expects the way they prepare, their intelligence. He knows these guys can move as runners, uh, but what he doesn't know, because he hasn't seen it up close in person, is what they're capable of doing, getting the ball downfield. He's doing as best he can to dissect Sean Clifford's 2019 game film. There's just not much readily available for these other guys. And the gap between uh, Taquan Roberson and Michael Johnson Jr. is not huge. I mean, it's it, it, I mean, I kind of expected an or there at some point because they think they're they're very close. But Roberson does have an edge right now, so not having those. I think it's been a point of conversation every time we talk about the quarterbacks is not having the spring really hurts those two guys right there. So not a ton of surprises. Uh, moving on to running back once again, no surprises there. I mean, Journey Brown. You know, I, I still think it's going to be somewhat of a committee, but he's the established starter. He's going to be the guy that gets out there. I think it's, you know, more so committee because you got some pretty darn good backs behind him. Noah Kane's there, Devin Ford, whom uh, Jaywan Sider talked about and probably hear that in a second here. And, and Kaziah Holmes, your pick for the MVP. Um, all good ones. Uh, I mean, it's just nothing, nothing changing there. Nothing expected to change anytime soon. And it's Journey and everyone else, but uh, everyone else is pretty good too. And everyone else includes Tank Smith, which caught a lot of people by surprise. He was trending a little bit on Twitter among Penn State fans. Uh, I remember you wrote something up when, when he was added to the roster. Terry Smith's nephew um, came from Howard, correct? I don't have it uh, directly in front of me. I he know came from St. Francis. St. Francis, uh, that's right. He's very familiar to us because in our system, when you tag uh, Terry Smith, the coach, whom we obviously we write about very often, um, it tags Terry Smith, the player, which is his nephew, played at Penn Hills, then went to St. Francis. Uh, we've known Tank for a long time. Tank's a heck of a football player. Was, you flip on his high school tape, and he's about 5'7", uh, two, maybe 200 pounds or something. I don't know what he's listed. I forget what he's listed. They on got the him chart. at about 225, 8, 225, 5'8". So Tank is fitting right there. Tank <laughs> Tank has always been fitting for it because he came onto the radar, I think, as a, as a sophomore at Penn Hills. And he was just, I mean, 5'6", 5'7", 200, 210 pounds, something like that. And just... Uh, eat would eat people up. He was a linebacker too, so um, but uh, he was fun to watch. But just of course, never had that uh, that FBS size. Went to St. Francis, a red shirt, or no? I think he played. He got a couple carries last year. I'm not sure if he actually redshirted or not. Um, according to the list, he did. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's an intriguing player. Not sure he's gonna crack this depth chart, but his name's Tank, so you can't you can't ignore him. We've been uh 
talking about him, joking about him for a while since he arrived in January. But uh, it's good to see him on there because uh, he's he could be that, that blue-white superstar at some point. He surely would have been a nice little dark horse pick for that MVP. And by the way, to this point, no one has proven us wrong on those picks. As you said, Sean, we had, we talked about that last episode, full rundown uh, up on, over the weekend on defensive and, and offensive MVP picks going inside the mindset of a spring game. So we're not talking Micah Parsons, Journey Brown. Uh, Jaywan Slater spoke a lot about Journey Brown uh, last week going over this running back room. A lot of excitement about this kid. We mentioned at the end of the last episode, he is viewed as a top five running back overall in 2020 college football by Barton Simmons, the scouting director for 24-7 Sports. A lot of conversation about what Journey Brown will be able to accomplish uh, with another season at Penn State and and what he could be able to do at a pro day. Uh, We already know about the speed. The power is on the way up in a big way for Journey Brown. A lot of excitement there. Noah Kane, for for a while, stole all the thunder in the backfield. You know, you think about where this mindset was last October. You probably would have thought this time in 2020 we'd be talking about Noah Kane being kind of the the on-question guy atop this depth chart. You know, things happen, he gets hurt, Journey Brown takes advantage. But the name that maybe gets lost in the shuffle, despite his hot start, the first guy since the 1970s, or maybe early 1980s, uh, since Kurt Warner uh, went out there, ran for 100 yards in his first game of his freshman year, Devin Ford. That was the bulk of what he accomplished as a freshman. He scored in the Cotton Bowl, but touches were limited. Do not limit your expectations, though. As as Jaywan Sider said, he feels like this is a wide-open battle for reps, and he feels like Devin Ford is going to factor in. Listen to the words from running backs coach Jaywan Sider and try not to get excited about what Devin Ford could do in 2020. Don't, don't count on Devin Ford. I mean, he's a kid that he is one of those physically gifted kids. I think he's a kid that, you know, you're going to see a whole nother level of Devin going forward. I think he's a kid who, for the first time, probably was – you know, like all freshmen enjoying college a little bit too much. Not saying he was partying, but just, you know, that much freedom. You know, I think it, it happened easy to him early, and he forgot that you got to do it every week. Well, those kids just kept escalating, getting better throughout the process. So I think he had a great winning condition. I'm really excited about him. I, I view all three of those guys in my mind as starters right now. I don't think the gap's far. I think this kid is so physically gifted, man. He got the best hips I ever seen out of a, of a, of a player. I mean, he can sink his hips and explode through the smallest crease. I mean, to him was getting bigger. His winning condition was huge. I mean, this is the first time he had one where a guy like Noah came in and had a winning condition during had multiple. I think him getting stronger to be able to take on blitz. I think, you know, just all those stuff that you like to see out of a young player go through. He finally got that to this, this point of condition. I'm excited. I think he's going to get faster. I think, you know, he can be a problem matching up, you know, with linebackers and coverage. I think he's, he's going to play football for a long time, in my opinion. All right, moving on from a very talented and very deep and quite proven running back group to one that we we are viewing certainly with a, a lot of question marks. Wide receiver, and as you said, the story here, TJ Jones, redshirt freshman, slotted in that first uh, team role ahead of John Dunmore on the outside. Daniel George uh, taking over the starting role. Saw him share a lot with Justin Shorter during the 2019 season. No surprise here, Jahan Dotson. Expecting to see a lot of him in the slot as a first-teamer. And Keandre Lambert-Smith, a guy that we spoke uh, highly about, maybe having a chance to make a huge emergence during his first spring camp. He is the number three guy behind George and behind Cam Sullivan-Brown, a redshirt junior. And, you know, you also got Parker Washington going to be factoring into the mix whenever things resume. Yep. I mean, that slot kind of is wide open there for for somebody to step in like a Parker Washington right behind Jahan Dotson. I mean, no disrespect to Isaac Lutz and the other guys that are listed there, but uh, scholarship guy comes in that can play the slot. All of a sudden, he's got uh, a path to early playing time. You look at the X, Daniel George is right there. Cam Sullivan-Brown, one of those injuries that we talked about, would have been a little limited uh, in the spring. But Keandre Lambert-Smith is the guy that that obviously everybody wanted to see this spring um, as an early, a potential early impact guy at a position that needs it. At the other side, uh, TJ Jones and John Dunmore. Uh, really hurt by not having the spring. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. Um, you know, the, the separation there is not big, um, but but having those guys on campus, having them focused on football, 
um, you know, d- developing the consistency that they need to be a starter with with a huge opportunity ahead of them, like potentially starting in the fall at, at the Z. I mean, you, you can't re- you can't replace that. You can't emulate that while you're at home. That's uh, that's a tough break for those guys. So we'll see how they handle it. We'll see where they come back, and it's still a position that's that's got plenty of question marks. And a name I always forget to mention, I think, is I focus on the on the high school guys they got coming in. Norval Black out of Lackawanna College, a couple years there, uh, highly productive receiver. We'll see what he can do. He's he's obviously a bit older, coming in with less eligibility, and there's there's a need for immediate impact. By the way, we'll get uh, Taylor Stubblefield on a phone call later this week, so hope to be able to follow up on that in a near episode. Uh, kind of give you a rundown of how he sees this receiver group through a few months on the job albeit abbreviated, uh, limited interaction with these guys. Tight end, uh, very few question marks at the top. Pat Frymuth is uh, as solidly engaged in his position as anybody on this roster. Behind him, Koontz, Strange still battling. Theo Johnson wouldn't have been a full go this spring uh, behind them. And then you've got a group of walk-ons bringing in Tyler Warren uh, this summer. Uh, and you know that adds another name to the list. But I think very clearly the intrigue at tight end is who's going to take over uh, Nick Bauer's role as the man behind Pat Fryermuth. And you know, also, let's face it, Pat Fryermuth, this time next year, we're expecting to talk about him being one of the top tight end draft prospects. So it is also jockeying for position to be the next man up at a position that has been very good and proven very financially lucrative uh, for recent Penn State tight ends. And I think that will continue in 2021. Easy, easy recruiting for Penn State there at tight end. Uh, uh, yeah, Coons and Strange. I mean, we talked about uh, we talked about the, that battle. I mean, there, there's nothing nothing changing there. I mean, it's going to be a huge one in the in the mindset that Penn State wants to play tight ends, and they're going to have an opportunity to, especially with the short uh, the short falls at wide receiver right now. Coons and Strange can bring you something to the to to the field that uh, you know that can really help you out. And not having them once again, broken record. Uh, not gonna not gonna help anybody out. Uh, not having them on sp- on campus for spring. On the offensive line, again, this is a position where you may have seen some shuffling this spring, seen veterans get, get some time away from the field, younger players, emerging players getting more time, especially this past Saturday if there was a game in action. Mike Miranda, C.J. Thorpe split reps last year at right guard. Each of them accumulated significant starts, significant reps in big games. Miranda now slotted as the first team left guard. C.J. Thorpe remains at right guard. A guard, and additionally, Caden Wallace. I have a feeling he's going to continue to push uh, a veteran and Will Fries, a fifth-year senior. Wallace in his second year on campus. We've seen him uh, practice at guard. He's now at right tackle, uh, continuing right there behind Will Fries. Desholm slotted at at uh, second-team left tackle right now. But as we know, Sean, and as you discussed uh, throughout your writing this offseason, Holmes certainly provides intrigue inside as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have shuffled around. Michael Menitz uh, was dealing with some stuff in the spring. So you move Mike Miranda to center. You move uh, Des Holmes to left guard. Um, you know, that that just sets off a, a chain reaction there. You've got uh, Bryce Efner as your backup left tackle. He's listed at right tackle here. Um, you're not sure how much you're going to get from Juice Scruggs, which is fine because he's out on the field, and that's really all that matters at this point. Um, so just a ton of uh, a ton of what ifs for this offensive line. You mentioned Wallace. I mean, Will Fries, a fifth year senior, wasn't going to do a ton this spring either. So that's a that's a bunch of reps for Wallace in there. Um, C.J. Thorpe needs reps. Uh, Anthony Wigan, who's come a long way in his redshirt year. Um, after transferring from Lackawanna, you know, that's that's reps there. So, you, you know, you're missing reps at every spot. You're missing a lot of moving pieces, guys that you're cross-training, uh, getting Mike Miranda time at, at guard where he's probably the, the, the front runner to start, but also he was going to play center this spring. So um, there, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that Phil Troutwine would have liked to have seen uh, at, in the spring, but of course, there's a lot of experience there as well. So you you know you, you know what you're getting with Menet. You 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 know what you're getting with uh, Rasheed Walker, even though he's just a redshirt sophomore, and and Will Fries and those guys. So um, you know the the hit is there, no doubt about it. But uh, you know you've got uh, you got a, a good bit of experience coming back that can get you through there. Wigan listed as a second-team right guard. Nick Dawkins, the only early-enrolled offensive lineman, uh, listed as the third-team left guard. 
And by the way, Phil Troutwine, one of three Penn State positional coaches who does not get that advantage of spring ball uh, with his group. Uh, so some work to do for all those guys as they become acclimated uh, with these players. Uh, the defensive line, this is going to be a, a continuous battle to watch. You've got Jason Oway, Adiza Isaac, Shane Simmons, uh, uh, some of the names that are trying to, to, to push themselves into Yithor Gross Matos' old spot opposite of Shaka Tony, who certainly would have gotten that veteran treatment. Jason Oway, as we've discussed, coming off of a, 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 some shoulder issue, uh, getting that cleaned up in the in the winter. Adiza Isaac is a guy that I pointed to as, as blue-white game MVP. Uh, Mark pointed to him as the uh, defensive breakout of 2020. High expectations for him. Uh, and and beyond that, Sean, I, I think there's still, you know, what do you got for depth? Right now we see uh, Shane Simmons, Nick Tarburton. Injuries have been a question for both of those guys. Um, and you've got Smith Vilbert, Bryce Mostella. Um, you know, I, I think there is, you know, certainly room to cultivate depth at this point at defensive end, especially uh, considering the unknown circumstances around Jason Oway and what his availability is going to be and how his absence from campus maybe impacts his recovery. Well, uh, Mostella is not playing anytime soon, uh, but Vilbert's the guy that uh, that I really think could have taken a step forward this spring, and it's kind of what they're expecting from him. Uh, Shaka, of course, on the veteran treatment, you've got Adisa. Isaac taking a lot of snaps. Um, you know, Shane Simmons, for as he is a veteran, you know, still needed snaps in there as well. And Jason Oway, not really sure the status of his shoulder would have been able to go, but you know, how how hard do you press that in the spring? Nick Tarburton, I mean, injuries have just sort of ravaged his career to date so far, so really not much uh, expectation there. So, I mean, it, it, it's a spot that has talent. It's a spot that doesn't have a ton of depth. You'd like to see, you know, maybe a, a three deep in there that you could rely on. I just don't think they're there right now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a it's a very talented position, and if you can go, if you can get through with two deep, which is a tough thing to do, or or even five with Smith-Vilbert, then, then you'll be in an okay situation come the fall. The numbers are certainly there at defensive tackle. What we don't quite know is is who's ready to step up beyond the starters. P.J. Musfer, Antonio Shelton, as expected. The first team guys here. Right behind them, you see Judge Culpepper, Fred Hansard. Uh, Fred recovered pretty well last year from an injury. Going to be a redshirt junior. Uh, Culpepper, a redshirt sophomore. Hakeem Beeman, certainly a name to watch among those second-year players. A redshirt freshman stepping up. Interesting to note here, I will say, Devon Ellis as a redshirt freshman, leapfrogging Aeneas Hawkins, who is going to be in his third year with this program. Probably not a great look for Hawkins. And Joseph Darqua, a wild card that we know coming in from Germany. The name that I'm wondering here, who had a great blue-white game last year, Damian Barber, now in his fourth year on campus out of Harrisburg High School. He's a guy we talked about last year, maybe was ready to make a push for it. Didn't come to fruition in any way during the 2019 season. And it feels like... You know, it, it's time for him to make a move on this roster. Yeah, I think all all the signs there for a potential breakout year were there for Barber last year after the spring, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. He was suspended for the first game. Obviously, since we've learned, uh, you know, he was involved in that the Isaiah Humphreys deal, and uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if that contributed to the suspension in, in back in August, but uh, certainly probably didn't help. And uh, that's something that hasn't come around while he's been, you know trending flatly or trending down Hakeem Beeman has really taken off and and that's a guy that the staff's very excited about he was able to sneak into the three deep um I think I think you're pretty set in, on the two deep right now with Culpepper and Hansard backing up Mustafer and Shelton um but there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of guys there I mean that's that's 11 scholarships on campus right now and there's more coming in the spring or excuse me in the summer at least scheduled to come into the summer uh that's that's an absurd number, to be honest with you, and it's something something's got to give at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see Ellie's and Beeman moving up, and uh, yeah, Barber is one of those now or never guys, and you know it's it. There's, there's a lot of potential there. If, like I said, if you can get a three deep out of that, you're you're in good shape. You can get five guys out of that. That's what Penn State's worked with in the past, and I think Hakeem Beeman can be that fifth guy. Uh, interesting there is is Darkwa, and, and he's not ready yet. He's still insanely raw, but uh, physically he's he's very impressive. So we'll see, uh, you know, if that football skill rounds itself out and comes along. And uh, you know, not being on campus for him is is probably pretty tough because he's uh, he's one of those guys that needs the the skill taught. He needs to sort of refine with the tools that are available to him in in the Lash Building and Haluba to to get where he needs to go. And that's, uh, you know, that's certainly not going to happen as he's not on, on campus right now. 
defensive tackle group not lacking for size. You look all the way down the the three deep, four deep even. Guys are 290 plus. Uh, you know, Hakeem Beeman's the lightest that, that I see here at 288 when you look at the three deep. So uh, some nice size up front. Linebacker, fortunately, I read your projected depth chart, so I had a perfect sense of what was coming here, Sean. Micah Parsons, Ellis Brooks, Brandon Smith with Brooks in, in the middle. Jesse Lucchetta going to be pushing him, battling for that spot. Directly backing up Micah Parsons is Charlie Catshear, a redshirt sophomore. Mark Brennan's pick for, oh, I'm sorry, he switched it up to Lance Dixon, who is now backing up Brandon Smith at the outside linebacker position. That was his pick for a spring game MVP. Had a late switch up there. So again, you you like this. You're talking about a lot of blue chip pedigree. Five of those six guys were either four stars or five stars. You're going to be bringing in Curtis Dra- Curtis Jacobs whenever we get back to college football action. Uh, top guy on, on the board. Uh, so a lot to like about here. And, and, and of course, I, I think a lot of people are going to be focused in on that inside linebacker job because I like where Brandon Smith stands on the outside. Micah Parsons is good to go. Will Jesse Lucchetta be able to make a run there? Is Ellis Brooks ready to hold it down? That I mean, that would be the closest battle right now. I mean, you, you think that uh, Ellis Brooks is going to go into the season the starter? I don't. I don't have any you know question about that. Uh, where how how much can Lucchetta push? It's more about Lucchetta pushing him from behind than anything. So we'll see what happens with that. Just no ter- no terrible surprises uh, at linebacker. Of course, you got Zariah Fisher going to start his career at linebacker. Um, he'll probably slot there at the will behind uh, Parsons and Catcher. So. Uh, numbers are good. Talent is good. Uh, life is good at, at linebacker right now. At cornerback, Tariq Castro-Fields has played a lot of football for this program. He's got plenty to prove. Terry Smith uh, really you know, didn't even back away from the, from the fact that t- uh, Tariq Castro-Fields uh, played pretty poorly down the stretch, but he also pinned a ton of that really you know, almost entirely on injury issues that maybe we weren't fully aware of. He says progressively was dealing with with an injury uh, more and more and more game after game, and it showed in the way he played. So Terry Smith put a lot of that on there, expectations high for a bounce-back season for Tariq Castro-Fields, a player who, quite frankly, this time last year, I anticipated we'd be talking about him as an early entry into the 2020 NFL draft. Didn't work out that way for him. Opposite of Fields, though, this is probably one of the big attention grabbers from this depth chart release. Donovan Johnson listed as the first-team guy. I don't know if this is a nod to, to Donovan Johnson for his time with the program, working through stuff. Was surprised to see him there, Sean, because uh, I think we were expecting either Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis, Terry Smith told us those guys are battling along with Joey Porter Jr. The second-year guys at cornerback are impressive. Throw Daquan Hardy into that mix to, to potentially play some star this year in the slot. Uh, but Donovan Johnson, I, I suppose this is an indication that that he's in a better spot physically. Felt like this was going to be a huge spring for him, the way these young players were rising up the roster and the way he's kind of been sidelined by injury and not able to get out there and show what he's about really the last couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that been the story. It's, it's all injuries for Donovan Johnson. He's, he's played fairly well when he's been in there and, you know, just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And um, is this depth chart a reflection of how things would start in the fall? It's, it, it's really hard to say because this was a vital spring, especially with those uh, four freshmen slash redshirt freshmen that are that are creeping up on him. I mean, this is a, a now or never time for him, as we label it. So uh, good to see him up there. I think I had him as my, as my number one nickel. So they're high on his talent. They're high on uh, what he's been able to do. Obviously, he's been vocal for them in Michigan, which they've had some success there lately. So um, I'm sure that helped. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been, uh, there's just so many options out there for them at corner. Um, you know, Tariq Castro-Fields obviously has to play better than he did over the second half of the season. Um, you know, but in and on the other hand, he would have probably had a light spring and you would have seen a lot of uh, guys like Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis, and, and Joey Porter Jr. is a guy that, uh, you know, they're very excited about, but uh, needs more reps as well. Porter Jr., Donovan Johnson right there, clearly to, to push for a starting role. But the two that Terry Smith focused on during our conversation last week, during his availability, uh, Keaton Ellis, Marquise Wilson, guys who certainly impressed uh, respectively during their freshman year. I think Marquise Wilson really sprinted to the finish line, had a huge interception that helped seal the deal in the Cotton Bowl. Here were Terry Smith's thoughts on those two guys. He sees them as ready to make a major move as sophomores. With uh, Keaton and Marquise, you know, obviously they played a lot of football for us as true freshmen. Uh, their development throughout the season, uh, they just continued to get better and better. You know, obviously, you know, in the bowl game, Marquise had a, a critical interception late in the game uh, that helped us, you know, in that game. 
Uh, you know, we're really looking forward to those guys. We, we see them both as major contributors. They're both battling uh, for that other starting corner position. Their development through the offseason, you know, they had a great winter leading into the spring. They're, they're both hitting the weight room really hard. Uh, they're very conscientious guys. They, they're, they know the system well. I'm looking forward to, you know, when we have the opportunity to get back out on the field and see those two guys continue to develop. Tim Banks, the safeties coach for Penn State, he's been a hot topic lately here on the show because of the recruiting he's done in his native Detroit. Also doing a nice job cultivating a group at that safety position. He's expecting big things from Lamont Wade. He called him captain material, setting the tone of this position for the team, but also uh, did not shy away from his excitement for the development of Jaquan Brisker, who is down to his last year of college eligibility. Certainly flashed in moments last year, looking at an expanded situation next to Lamont Wade. As expected, he is slotted as the first team guy alongside Wade, directly back up by Jonathan Sutherland, who's now a redshirt junior, was a captain last year uh, as a special teamer. And then Tyler Rudolph, who we saw get redshirted during his first year on campus, uh, slotted right behind Lamont Wade. Behind Rudolph, Trent Gordon, who figured this, again, would have been a big spring for him, transitioning from cornerback to safety. Tim Banks reiterated they love what they see uh, and Trent Gordon making this transition. They recruited him with this possibility in mind as we hear a lot of them when they get defensive backs on board in their class, that ability to to play safety or cornerback. And uh, so, you know, safety is an interesting spot, but I think, you know, Brisker's in focus here as well as Lamont Wade building off of what we saw because if you take what he did against Ohio State in the biggest game, biggest showcase setting, I think, of his career to this point, I mean, if he, if he can expand on that and, and and really kind of showcase those talents and that five-star pedigree and man I'll tell you what Lamont Wade can do a lot of good things here th- this year but you know I think he's a guy where uh, it's tough being away from campus right now for him yeah the five-star discussions one for another day um, but uh, yeah he certainly has a lot of, uh, of opportunity ahead of him uh, you know I, I think Brisker is the most intriguing guy here um, it's it's obvious that they were not good last year at safety, and uh, they need to be better. Uh, Brisker is a guy that I think showed enough flashes that you're kind of excited and intrigued about what he can bring to the table. Uh, can move around back there. He's got some size. He's he's been around the ball, just you know maybe didn't get to the ball every time. So um, intrigued by those guys. Uh, Tyler Rudolph as well. Uh, can he make a move for, to start? I, I don't think he's there yet, but they, they like what they have in him. He's got some good size back there as well. And, you know, we'll see where, we'll see where they go with the, with these safeties. Trent Gordon, uh, it sucks, man. I mean, you, you get moved over, you got an opportunity for reps at a thin position. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're back in Texas and you're not able to, to do any of that stuff. I think that's uh that's a killer right there for, for momentum that Trent Gordon could have had coming into, into the spring. Um, really not much you can do about it. It's, it's not easy to make that transition. I know we talk about that all the time as corners that can, can, can eventually play safety. I mean, Amani Oriware, uh, moved over to, to a couple of springs ago to safety and then they, they, just moved him back. He couldn't handle it. And now all of a sudden he's an NFL cornerback. Uh, so uh, it's it, it's hard to say how that would have gone, but uh, to not get that opportunity, that it, it kind of stinks for Trent Gordon. One other note at safety, former Notre Dame running back CJ Holmes listed behind uh, freshman early enrollee Enzo Jennings. He's the number four guy uh, behind Brisker. So uh, you're not seeing a, a push from him to this point. He is a, four, a fourth year junior um, still on walk-on status with Penn State. A special teams group here, not a lot of surprises. Uh, you know, we heard from Blake Gilligan late in the season, very confident that Jordan Stout will be able to fill that punter role. That's where he is right now, ahead of Carson Landis. Stout, of course, made a big name for himself last year on kickoffs. He is the number two guy, as it turns out, behind Jake Pinnegar on field goals. Although last year, when it was 50 or, or longer on the field goals, it was Stout's job to come in uh, for those long-range attempts. We'll see if that continues. Uh, at the returner position, Journey Brown, Devin Ford. At the off-returner, you're seeing Micah Parsons, Kaziah Holmes, and Parsons, we know, once the ball, I saw him play, you saw him play at Harrisburg. He was fun to watch with the football. James Franklin made it a point, kind of called him out on Twitter because he Parsons was begging on, on Saturday and saying, you know, give me the ball, let me play returner. You know, come on, what's what's the deal here? And and, and Franklin was like, ball security, man. It, you know, you got to hold the ball. And, 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 you know, it's true. I think, you, you know, it's you can't afford to get a guy out there who's going to get excited. But I just, I want selfishly to see 
Parsons get that opportunity. He's, he told us last August that if he scores a touchdown at Beaver Stadium, he's jumping into the stands doing some kind of uh, wild, crazy pig dance. And so I want to see all that stuff. But hey, he averaged 11 yards per carry, 1,200 yards, 29 touchdowns as a senior at Harrisburg. This is not Harrisburg High School. This is Big Ten football. Uh, but a guy is chomping at the bit. And Keziah Holmes gets his name on there uh, right away. So that's, that's certainly a guy that we said when he came to campus more than a running back, a guy who could probably contribute on special teams as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to see Micah uh, have that opportunity as well. Just physically, he's so far, uh, you know, you saw the gap in high school and it was uh, obviously huge. Um, but there's still a little bit of a gap between Micah Parsons and everybody else physically at the college level, which you weren't sure if that was going to happen or not. Uh, it's just an amazing physical talent. We will see where that goes. And I know Joe Lorig probably has some thoughts on that. Yes, indeed. Joe Lorig uh, on the phone this morning. And as you'd expect, the Parsons topic came up. Uh, here's what Joe Lorig said regarding that possibility. Well, first of all, you know, you know, the uh, the depth chart thing was really just just a perception thing. I think it was a little bit of us not all being in the same room when we went through it, because I just saw it differently when it went out. I saw the first two guys listed as the two returners that would be on the field, which is accurate. It would be Journey Brown and Micah Parsons. And then you know, who, who's the returner? Well, it depends on which way they kick the ball, right? And, and I don't know which way each team's going to kick the ball, but uh, I guess the perception was the first guy listed would be the returner and the second guy would, I guess, be the off returner. It's just, just not how I saw it. So it, it wasn't meant to be funny or to fool anybody or anything. It was just, I guess, a difference in perception. But, uh, you know, I think that there's a – Coach Franklin and I have had, have had many conversations about Micah running the ball getting the ball in his hands. Obviously he was effective at that in high school and, and we're certainly not afraid to do that, but you know, he's back there listed as, as a returner, uh, just like he was last season. And, and a lot of people don't just kick the ball to our right, uh, especially if we're good on kickoff return as I expect us to be uh, at the last place that I was at. They actually kicked away from our returner a lot more often than they kicked to him. So I think it's just a game plan thing. Uh, certainly we're not afraid to put the ball in his hands, but journey's obviously a, a very, very, uh, you know, effective, possibility also so so it's definitely out there as an option uh, again it wasn't meant to, to fool anybody it was just the, the, the perception of how that was listed uh was a little bit different meanwhile a punt returner Jahan Dotson who we saw get work uh, as the number two guy behind KJ Hamler in 2019 uh steps up to the number one role there Marquise Wilson at cornerback uh listed as the primary backup as punt returner we're going to get to a new Nittany Lion, Kevon Lee, running back coming in to town as a member of the 2020 freshman class in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We talked a lot this offseason about Penn State's running back room, the talent that returns, the talent that is coming in. And the talent that is coming in includes Kevon Lee, another Florida prospect heading up to Happy Valley, adding to this. And, and he is kind enough to join us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Kevon, thank you for the time. No problem. Thank you. I know you're you're excited to get to campus, and we're not sure when you're going to be able to do that, uh, whether yeah. it's on time or delayed. Uh, what have you been doing right now to kind of prepare yourself for when you do get to Penn State and, and what lies ahead? 
I just been like working out. I be doing like uh, on field work. Just like need like a little private. I be doing private session workouts. That's all. It's like focusing on like my body and like my um my work ethic and all that. We just building it up and getting ready for it. How much contact are you in with, with the Penn State staff, and and what are the coaches that are kind of involved with those conversations uh, on a consistent basis? Uh, Coach Sider. Oh, well, really, all the coaches and in, in the like the staff and all that. I talk to them on the daily, like every day they check up, make sure everything good and all that. I talk to them on the daily. What's their main message at, at this point? Uh, just just stay ready, and I mean, what, what are they kind of trying to make sure that they're saying to you on a daily basis? Just basically, stay ready and and get prepared. That's all. Okay. Uh, well, just a few months ago, uh, I, I may feel like forever ago at this point because of what we're all going through. But back in December. Uh, you, you signed your letter of intent to, to play ball at, uh, at Penn State. You committed last summer, so you had known for a while. What led you to Happy Valley? Because, you know, it's it's certainly not a home region for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was mainly like, I like the coach. I coach Sider. Like, I, I built a bond with him. I was just like, like brothers. We were like brothers. It came, I can't even say, like, <laughs> uncle or something. It was like brother, bond, coach. It was just, oh no. I just like felt, I prayed on it so many times, and that was like the only place I got led into. Like he had a plan for me. I was planning to be there. We've heard a lot about Coach Sider connecting, uh, you know, with players, especially down in, in Florida, where, you know, he yeah. had a heck of a playing career himself, and, and he's very well known and, and has always recruited well down in Florida for a, a few different schools. But you said it's like a brotherhood. What does he do to give you that kind of vibe? It's just like the way we talk, communicate. Like it just, it's just that's how it is. Like we talk every day, communicate, make check with each other. Just you know, just be talking. We don't talk like we like. He don't talk to me like he's my coach. He talk like we brothers or something. And you're already aware that Coach Sider has put together quite the running back room at Penn State. You've got Journey Brown coming back. A lot of people pointing to him as one of the top returning college football running backs. Noah Kane last year said a. A freshman Penn State record for rushing touchdowns. Devin Ford is very highly regarded, and Keziah Holmes enrolled early. I throw all those names at you. What convinced you that you're up for the competition? I mean, I, I ain't running for no competition. <laughs> I want, I want all the smoke. <laughs> uh, and what, what does Coach Sider specifically say about that competition? Because very clearly, there's not a wide open path for you to get to campus and 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 just take the ball and run with it 20 times a game. You're gonna have to clearly earn a spot in the field with this group. What does he say about about what awaits for you in in terms of competitiveness? I mean, he didn't really talk about that. He just be like, be ready. You know, you might get your shot and just work. You work, you get it. And last year we saw two freshmen burn red shirts with Noah Kane and Devin Ford. They 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 played right away. For you, what are your expectations for 2020? Uh, assuming you get to campus ahead of the season and, and, and things are somewhat on track, what do, what do you see for yourself here? Well, I'm hoping, like, to get – I'm not really, like, spending playtime like that, but, I, you know, I just want to get my feet wet in there, get in a couple times, touch the ball, you know, just get, get the feeling of college football. Did you know Keziah Holmes, you know, during high school? Did you guys have any kind of, uh, you know, communication being, you know, top running back recruits down in the same state? Or or did you really get to know each other after you both joined the class? Uh, mainly after we joined the class. Uh, well, like right before, because I, I, um, I was communicating with him. It was in a group chat. You know, they made a group chat for all the Penn State commits. But before they even committed, like, we knew before everybody else knew, like, before it went public. So me and Kaziah, I, I I ran to him at Florida State. And me and him was both at Florida State. We actually got a picture, but we was at Florida State. And we like we both with each other. Like yeah, we both know we going to Penn. We just here just to visit. <laughs> so you're in Tallahassee, but you both know you're going to end up reuniting uh, up here at Penn State. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how recruiting works sometimes. <laughs> And so with Kaziah and with yourself, I'm, I'm sure you've seen him in action at this point. Do you think you two complement each other pretty well in terms of your style at, at running back? Of course, yeah. We, yeah, we know we're not, like, we not the same type of style. You know, I'm, I'm a little bigger than him, so I want, we, won't be having, we won't have the same style. But, yeah, we, yeah we, we'll be talking about it and all that. How would you describe yourself, your approach in the backfield? Give us a self-scouting report on Kevon Lee. Uh, cause people, people look at me and think I'm a power back, but actually I, 
I would lay myself as like a all-purpose back. I can catch, run, you know, line up at line up at slot or something. Jet sweep, I can do it all. That power back recognition comes from you know your the way you look physically. Where what are you checking in right now in terms of height and weight? I'm like probably six foot. Last time I'll, I'll say six foot now, about two ten, two two or nine. And we talked about this before we started recording, but you are really itching to get back on the football field because of what happened your senior year. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what happened in 2019? Because you got off to a good start, playing a tough schedule. Then then everything changed. Tell us where you started, where you ended up, and and, and why things ultimately resulted in you not playing much football last fall. I had um, had ended up at American Collegiate Academy which had they I found out later down the line that they wasn't incidentally eligible at the time. They they end up being it, but at the time they wasn't. So I had to, you know, I had to for me to go to college, I had to leave and go to a school that was. So I ended up going to Lakewood High School. That was my public school, right, right down the street. And they um didn't let me play. So so you transfer there and you're not and you're ruled ineligible to get on the field. Yes, sir. I weren't really ruled ineligible they like the AD just didn't let me play. I don't think she wanted me to play because Lakewood, they they was undefeated. And she thought that I was trying to, you know, just bandwagon come over there because they undefeated. And so I, that's how I felt because I ain't really get uneligible. I ain't nobody really set the final say, so they just didn't let me play. I'm sorry to hear it worked out that way. No one wants to see their senior season end up like that. I mean, th- th- did that ultimately motivate you uh, heading into this winter to, to, to really get yourself in a position where you can get on the field and make an impact at the college level? Yes, it's, yes, sir, I have a lot. It's just, I'm just ready, ready to <laughs> – I got unfi- unfinished business to do. <laughs> unfinished business. Well – we, we should know, you, you had a heck of a high school career despite the way it ended. You came in, 1,200 yards, uh, 22 touchdowns as a freshman, followed that up with another 1,000-yard season as a sophomore, another 18 touchdowns, double-digit touchdowns as a junior, a three-time team MVP. So I want to point out that you did have a lot of success, and you had a lot of recruiting attention throughout your high school career. For you, before Penn State became that, that program that was your choice, what were the other schools? I guess you were on campus at Florida State, so that's one. But but how many schools were realistically involved in this process before you made a decision? It was like five. It was like LSU, Bama, Georgia, UCF, and Florida. You know, uh, back when Coach Sider was at Florida, I was committed to Florida, too. That's on my list of questions to get to here. As, as <laughs> Because you're not the only former Gators commit to end up in Penn State with the big reason being Coach Sider. John Dunmore in the in the 2019 class, a former Florida Gators commit who, who knew Sider from his time there. Was that strange for you, being recruited by the same guy wearing two different logos? Yeah, it, it was. We got, we got some history. <laughs> what kind of gave you the reason to to step back off that Florida Gators pledge and, and reopen things? Uh, I feel like Florida, they, I feel like they, they offered me as an athlete. Like, they wanted me to play linebacker and that. But I felt like they wanted me for linebacker more than running back. Were, was, that a, was that kind of a common theme in your recruitment? Were, were there several schools that said, you know, hey, Kevon, we know you like holding the ball and, and running with it, but we see you on defense? No, that, Florida was the only squad. It, it was like, LSU, George, you know, they were looking at me as an athlete, but mainly it was just Florida. What do you think about the history at, at your position at Penn State? Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley, each of the last couple of years, led all NFL rookies in, in total yards. Clearly, Journey Brown is an emerging standout at the college level. We already went over Noah Kane and Devin Ford contributing. What does that mean to you, knowing that you're heading up there? Uh, close side of doing something, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm next, basically. That's it. <laughs> so you're next, and, and I know everybody is anxious to see you get up to Penn State, anxious to see all Penn State football players get back on the football field. What What is the university and the program getting in Kevon Lee aside from what you do on the football field? A great person, um, funny, you know, just ready to come in there and the business, just strictly business, nothing else. Your freshman class is facing uh, an obstacle that we've never seen before in college football. The guys who got up there early, the 11 early enrollees, they didn't get to have spring ball. 
you're not sure when you're going to actually get to, to campus and get in the classroom and all that. Are you guys staying supportive of each other in these text messages or phone calls? I mean, how much are you guys in consistent communication as a freshman class? I mean, we communicate a lot. We, uh, we be on the phone with Coach Franklin. We all do like a little video chat all together every once in a while, you know, just to stay, just to stay up and all that. But yeah, we communicate a lot. Did you get any early feedback from those guys who got to campus, Kaziah Holmes being one of them? I was talking to Kaziah about it. We were just, I was asking him how it was and, you know, was it cold? Like, what's the cold, cold? Because he, he was in the snow. So I'm like, yeah, like, is it cold? I was just asking questions. Have you ever seen snow? No, sir. Well, I just saw it on Friday in mid, mid-April, so buckle up for what you're about to get into. It's probably been, it was like 50, 40. Okay. <laughs> in Florida, okay. 40 in Florida. So I guess you need a new wardrobe before you make the trip up here. I'm already working on it. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll hook you up with plenty of Penn State gear. Trust me on that. When you look at this Penn State 2020 team and, and what you know about it, you know, we've heard a lot, a lot of players who are already on the roster talking about chasing a national championship, not just this year, but every year. Is that the, is that the main message when, you, when James Franklin sits down with your class or, or calls you guys up and tries to talk to you about why you should come to Penn State and what you should do here? Is it always end up we're going to win national championships? Yes, sir. That's, that's the goal. You know, we got, a, we got a great class. There's already great people there, players there. We're going to bring it home this year. I like, I like us. I don't see nobody being us. Lastly here for you, Florida recruiting has really been in focus, Kevon, for Penn State the last few cycles. You, John Dunmore, TJ Jones, Noah Kane, Keziah Holmes. You can list a lot of guys in recent classes. Are you kind of then turning to the 2021 class and some of those guys down there and saying, hop on board, join us in Happy Valley? Are there any Florida guys you're working on? Yes, I, I got a couple right now. I got like Two of them ready to commit right now today, but I, I think they're going to hold off and like after the virus try to go up there and visit. But yeah, I got, I'm working on some. I got like two of them ready to commit right now. <laughs> who do you feel good about? You don't, have to, you don't have to put them on the spot and say they're going to commit. We'll let them decide. But who are those players that you feel really good about right now ending up with you at Penn State? Well, I'm going to say one, you know, James Smiley. I, he, he was my, he was my, he was, he played along with me in high school. You know, he's a, he's a, a young pup. So, I've been kind of guiding him throughout the high school. Then he had switched schools and I switched schools. So we kind of, you know, broke up. But, hey, hopefully we get back together at Penn. And Smiley, what what kind of player do you see with him? He's like a, I could say a power back, but he has speed, like the breakaway. He's hard to tackle him. He's like big, buff, strong. So I say, yeah, I say power back. And keep on. You said there was a couple guys. I'm not letting you off the hook. Who else? Who else? Who else do you like for, in terms of their chances of ending up at Penn State? A boy named Corey. He, he's a running back. He said he he tagged me. He reached out to me and was like, Corey um, Connor. Yes, sir. Okay, he's the he's the running back out of Ohio. So what what did he reach out to you? Yes, sir. He's just telling me. Uh, he was asking me questions. I was, we was chopping it up, talking about Penn. He told me he 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 ready. He ready to pull the trigger. We talked about all the competition coming in uh, uh, before you. You're you're like bring it on in terms of 2021 running backs. It sounds like. Yes, I, I rather I rather they come with us than come somewhere go somewhere else. <laughs> so we don't have to play against them. I rather they join us. <laughs> Great mentality, Kevon. Well, hey, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Hopefully, we'll see you up here in Happy Valley very soon. Uh, in the meantime, be safe, be healthy, and uh, and keep working on on what you got to get done down there. All right, thank you. You too. All right, appreciate Kevon for joining us. Look forward to seeing him get on campus. Look forward to seeing all football players get on campus here at Penn State. Uh, we're going to switch to recruiting very quickly here. A notable narrowed down list. It's still nine teams, so not ex- not necessarily an exclusive list to this point. But Nolan Rucci, five-star talent, the top-rated player in Pennsylvania. Penn, Penn State's right there in the mix, as you would expect. Wisconsin, Clemson are the other two teams that have been most routinely mentioned as contenders here. But anytime you're on Nolan Rucci's list and you're a Penn State fan, uh, it's a good spot to be, Sean. Yeah, I mean, that really no surprises. I think the surprise was the list was as big as it was. Nine schools. When you're talking about, as you mentioned, three schools most prominently. Of course, Notre Dame had a visit in there as well. So you add uh, Notre Dame to Clemson, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Uh, it's... It's a stalled recruitment right now, as I would say. I mean, you've got uh, you got they had the opportunity to take a lot of spring visits, two of them to Penn State, uh, which he still has not met Phil Troutwine on campus yet. So 
Um, you know, it's, it's still one that's very much up in the air. I think, uh, you know, I, I do think it comes down to Penn State and Clemson. I know Wisconsin's there as well, and I am not uh, writing them off or anything like that. But, you know, those three schools kind of stand out from everyone else. Uh, you know, you've you've got some of the notables on there, like, uh, like in Ohio State or Michigan's I think hanging around him was supposed to get a visit, but I think they're on the fringe as well. So, I mean, it, it it's one of those things. I think it's just going to depend when he can get back on campus and, you know, sort of uh, trigger the familiarity with uh, with whichever school he's, he's he is his preference at this point. But there's a lot of things going for Penn State during a shutdown. I mean, his you know, he's he's not far from home. He's got the uh, you know, he's, he's been up to campus several times, albeit not uh, all that recently. Uh, but uh, I think there's a lot uh, that helps Penn State during this uh, during this downtime. Sean, you've covered Penn State recruiting a long time now. Can you think of a more notable high ranking legacy target for Penn State? I mean, not this high. I mean, it's it's there's there's been guys that have been up there, um, but not uh, not at this nature, especially at a juncture in the program where you're trying to take the next step and you missed out on Julian Fleming last year, who's not a legacy, but still right in your backyard goes to, goes to the rival. Um, you know, it's, it's a very, very important. There's no, there's no must gets in recruiting, but he's as important as it gets. I think. Well, Phil Troutwine trying to, to land a big fish there. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the football, John Scott Jr. still searching for his first commitment at any position. Defensive end really shaping up to be one of the more interesting uh, spots uh, for pursuits anywhere on the board for 2021. And a couple names to mention here. Landon Watson out of Texas um, had planned to use in a visit this spring. Obviously, that can't happen. Now he's working on plans to get up for a game in 2020 during the season. Uh, wants to announce his commitment during the early signing period, December 16th at the start of it, uh, very much firmly says that Penn State has been making him feel like a priority, said John Scott Jr. Uh, was quick to reach out to him upon the transition from, from Sean Spencer. The offer came in January. Virginia Tech is trending in the crystal ball, albeit not not a huge run. Uh, still some undecideds in there. Uh, he certainly seems to be a name to know. And then additionally, Najee Story, uh, another four-star in the composite out of Ohio, the Cleveland area. Uh, Penn State offered him more than a year ago, February 2019, Put out a top five on Monday night. That includes Penn State. Ohio State's in there as well, but they've got 17 guys on board. It feels like that's going to be pretty tight for, to get in Najee's story. A guy who uh, earlier in the process, that was that was certainly the perceived leader. I think he was on the record as saying Ohio State was the leader. Things have evolved a bit. Minnesota, Northwestern in there as well, along with Tennessee. And story to me, six foot four, two thirty five, a guy who was a little bit of a late riser because he missed uh, his sophomore season, much of it with an injury. Um, you know, we're looking for new names here. Elijah Judy committed to Georgia on Sunday. We already knew that Penn State was not going to pick up that one when, we, when he narrowed down his list. Uh, Aaron Armitage probably would have played inside of Penn State. He's now going to be looking elsewhere. He is. He was an early name on the defensive end board. Here are two. I, I'm throwing them at you. We got a story up on Watson. We got a story up on Story up on the site on 24-7 Sports. But, uh, Sean, again, we're, we're kind of trying to, to shuffle the deck here at defensive end. Defensive end is very intriguing. Um, I wrote an S-Zone on Friday about what Penn State's dealing with right now. And Watson was a, a heavy focus in that. I think you can probably lump Story in there as well. Story, I don't know that he's taken the next step as a prospect like we thought he would, you know, coming off of that sophomore year. You mentioned the, uh, or I guess uh, coming off of his freshman year, and then he had the injury as a sophomore. Um, so we'll see where they go. Uh, Watson is is very much feeling Penn State right now. Um, is the the interest mutual? I think they're they're interested, but they're you know the, the, there might be some holdups there. So uh, very very curious to see how that plays out. It's an important position in this cycle. They need numbers. Um, this is the time of year where they go and discover a, a you know a Jason Oway or something like that, uh, an athletic guy who's maybe not the uh, you know, the roundest prospect uh, possible as as far as skills go. And you're missing. I mean, is is there a guy at? There's a guy at Archbishop Wood. I really like Robert Jackson. Um, you know, he's about six six, former basketball player, kind of fits the profile what they're going. I know John Scott likes a similar style to what uh, Sean Spencer gets. I know you were asked this on the board the other day. You want length, you want pop, you want athleticism, uh, twitchiness off the edge. Uh, the bad news is that's what everybody wants uh, in a defensive yeah, end. So no there's a lot of these guys that are, you know, 6'3", listed 6'3", which is fine. Uh, you know, you got to have the length to go with that. 
Um, but, uh, you know, you, you'd like to fall into a guy that's maybe 6'5 off the edge and, and, and really can get after it and, and get going. And those guys are, are hard to find and the market is tough for them. So Penn State is missing out on evaluation time to find that to find those guys and I think that's uh that's something that's really stifled that uh that defensive end board movement at this point Sean referenced this uh last week went into it a lot uh wrote it on the s-zone which I got a chance to, to check out on Friday afternoon read the uh, really good stuff Sean enlightening to me uh, certainly in in terms of Penn State's challenge here and we mentioned these guys Watson has never been to campus uh, and, and then story, I don't think he's been to campus since spring 2019, unless I'm incorrect, based on what we've got on his 24-7 sports timeline. That's a long time not getting eyeballs on the kid on your campus where you can, you know, get those measurements, size them up a little bit. Uh, that's not happening right now for anyone, and, and that is certainly a challenge. Um, Sean, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we will get into it next uh, with the NFL draft uh, later in the week. Five guys projected. Maybe there'll be more. Itor Grossmatos may be off the board. Uh, by the time we get to talk about it, we'll have a, an analyst from CBS to help break things down for the draft and whatever pops up on these calls with coaches. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us as the producer comes in and gives us the, the wrap it up sign. Yep, that should be about it. Another episode in the books, and it's draft week. I can't wait. Uh, I know we're going to talk about that on Friday, so uh, I guess we'll we'll have some draft talk for you later in the week. Yeah, some kind of live sports action. We'll take what we can get here. Uh, for now, stepping aside, on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.